If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. What are you reading over there, Adam? Uh, some diaper stuff. <laughs> oh, you got something to tell us? You're in some weird shit. No, one of my, so one of my uh, one of my clients uh, came up to me, Chris. Not my client. Maybe somebody. Did he somebody offer who, to pay you to wear diapers? He did. <laughs> no, he, he came That's up. Always and he how said, it starts. He he told me this. He's, he's like, you know, I, I thought of Mind Pump the other day when I came across this stat, and he tells me that um, I think it's in Japan. I don't know uh, where uh, diaper sales for adults uh, are projected to surpass diaper sales for children. Mm. And um, so I was just mm. I was just looking it up and reading it. Now, I, obviously, I think the baby boomer is the first thing that you're going to lean well, towards. J- Japan, in particular, <clears throat> has a very large older population, and in fact, I believe I don't know. You might want to check the statistic out, Doug, because I'm not, I'm not 100 if I'm correct, but something like one out of every three or five people in like 20 or 30 years will be over 70 in Japan. Mm. It's like this ridiculous number. Do um, you see that? Like continuously now, I'm curious as far as like you know during wartime with people or like as they come back from war, obviously, right? That's when they tend to uh, uh, the population increase. Well, here's the statistic uh, fact. Did you find it, Doug? Is that why? No, I was just going to comment. In Japan, they don't have a lot of kids. Right. Right. And, and so they actually, I, I believe, the population is declining there. They don't love you a long time. Yeah. Not wait, that wait. Much. Explain that to me. So uh, they don't have a lot of children there now. So we, they went through like a splurge of having children, and then now they're grown, and now those those adults are not having children now anymore. Or what, what you find with populations where the you know the economy is strong and wealth is increasing, people have less kids. They have less kids. Fact. And this so fact. what happened oh, wow, has see, happened in Japan is that uh, people are having like one child, single child. This is happening in Europe. Europe's population is shrinking. And America, we are at the cusp. Um, there, I, the number of you need, you're supposed to have like 2.2 births per person in order to maintain a society. Um, and what I mean by maintain a society is a lot of government programs and stuff require more people paying in than taking out. That's one of the main ones. And America is at that number 2.2. Most of Europe is under it, and Japan is so low that they won't be able to recover from that. So they're going to have to figure out some shit. And the re- and this happens in societies as they become more wealthy and prosperous. The reason why America's population rate is still growing at the rate that it needs to, even though it's slowed down, is because we have such a massive rate of immigration. And immigrants that come in have uh, more kids. And we grow because of our immigration also. More and more people are coming in than leaving. But um, in Japan, um, this is a huge problem. And they're trying to figure it out because what do you do when you have a huge percentage, like a, a huge chunk, 30% of your population be over 70. Imagine the medical c- uh, costs. Mm. Who's going to work and pay taxes? And so it's uh, it's kind of an interesting well, dilemma. It, but then 30 years after that, though, it's going to be crazy the opposite, right? It's going to swing the pendulum the other way. If it, it, but what right? happens in that, in that, what happens during that time? Mm. What happens during that time? And the population is shrinking, meaning that 100 years from now, there'll be less people in Japan than there are now. And that's the thing that people don't look at when you look at, um, let's use like a program like, I don't know, Social Security or Medicare, right? You need more people paying in than taking out. What happens when the population stops growing? 
Um, that's also why th- it, there's this whole myth about, oh my God, the world's going to be too populated. We're going to run out of food. Reality is it's going to hit a certain peak number and then it's going to start declining um, mm-hmm. because uh, of the resources. Because the world becomes more more prosperous. People have less kids. They just do. Look, in Italy, where my family's from, two generations, three generations ago, man, people are having six, seven, eight kids. Nobody has kids in Italy anymore. Population is shrinking like crazy over there. So it's kind of this uh, this issue uh, that's going on. So where's the sweet spot then? 2.2. That's it. 2.2 to 2.4 is where they want it. Shit, uh, I was just talking to Katrina too. I wanted to have two and a half kids. Two and a half mm, kids? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the so, half one. So huh? basically I'm fucking up the population. Yeah, you are. Oh. Yeah. Or you could just have a bunch of kids, uh, Ill- illegitimate children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> that doesn't screw the stats up. That's what, that's what Doug did. No, I'm just kidding. That's what Justin does. So, um, Every day. <clears throat> but yeah, the, 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 in these you know advanced societies, America too, um, one of the biggest issues uh, to our countries is the, uh, or to our country, is the uh, the aging population because it's one of the biggest segments of our population, if not the biggest segment, are people over a certain age. So, well, and we've talked about this too with the fitness industry explosion of of uh, you know the focus being now baby boomers because they're the ones that are retired, have the money, uh, need the help, you know, need to, the corrections as far as you know the pains and the strength gains and things like that. But man, talk about a shift like from targeted, you know, maybe it was more like, you know, at home mom, you know, and that was kind of the demographic. It's so much more baby boomer than anything else. It's, it's, it's right there. This is one reason why I think, uh, services like personal training. This is the only reason why Sal's better than me right well, here because he likes training old people. Bro. Right. I know. Well, the, he's, I, on, he's on top of the curve with I, that yeah, one. Bro, yeah. I, re- I read the market, bro. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, it's, uh, that was totally him selling the other day, right? He was he does he hates old people. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he doesn't like old people. I push him over. He just knows that that's the bigger chunk of the pie right now. He's just like, oh, I love me an old I person. I like to who's train. on top always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like to be number one. <laughs> no, it's um, it's a very, very large segment of the population. And uh, fitness um, is going to continue to grow because it's going to continue to cater to that. And so you're going to see more and more of these small studios. You're going to see more and more personal training. Uh, less and less of the big boxes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 100%. percent going to cater to it because you have to because that's who's paying. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you either spend some money on your fitness now or you spend a lot of money on your health later on. Right. We right. know that. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. I mean, although we'd like to think that it's gonna, we're going to see a huge transition over into our, our field, it's really not. I mean, that's not – we've already proven as Americans that's not our MO. Our MO is to – Wait till it's broken before we fix it. We're yeah. not in the business of preventative. I don't you know? know. I think people Catch are learning up with pills. Well, I I'm, think people are starting to learn a little bit and starting to see that that's, you know, that they need to, you know, do that kind of stuff. I mean, personal training is one of the has been for now the last I don't know ten years, fastest growing segments of fitness. I'll tell you, I've I was a personal trainer. I started uh, about 18, 18, 18 or nineteen years ago. Seventy three. Yeah, eighteen seventy three. Oh. I was a personal trainer. Wow. No, eighteen or nineteen <laughs> Old years timer ago. Over here. When I started as a trainer, okay, the largest clubs, the largest gyms that I was aware of that I worked in would would sell $10,000 in personal training in a month. That was like, whoa, that's the whole club, right? Yeah. Um, it got to the point then where clubs were selling you know, $100,000 worth of personal training, where you all of a sudden have staffs of 40 trainers. And we're talking big box. Forget big box. Do you guys remember all these small studios being around when we were first getting the gyms? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there weren't that many no, small they, studios. Not like not like you see now. Right. They were there. They were there. I mean, you had the curves and you had places like that, but it didn't exist. Like, well, here, okay, I have a different theory than you do on all those. I personally, 
the huge boom that we saw in personal training from 2000 to 2004 ish. Uh, I think a lot of that it was attributed to uh, the dot com era. You know, we saw a huge. Well, you're talking about just this area, though. Well, I mean, because I'm talking about all over America, personal well, training was on a fast. still still dot com affected everybody all over. I mean, it really affected the Silicon Valley the most, but it affected everybody, which is why I think we, as California, I mean, as is, is still considered one of the fittest states because we were we probably got got more people involved in personal training from 2000 2004 than any other state, but. I also think that has just had to do a lot with the flux of money and because I felt like in 2000 2004 ish when we were training it was it, it was more of a it was more of a trend thing. It was yeah. cool to say I have a personal trainer. Well, I know what happened. I mean, you, you take you take that, you know, situation as far as like, you know, everything crashing uh with the market. They had like Smart trainers had to evolve into group classes. Now. Exactly. Now that's where I was. was that's right where I was going with this. Everything when is I, groups because it's cheaper. Right. And when I say personal training, I, I should clarify. What I mean is um, more service oriented, higher dollar, higher service, uh, lower volume based fitness. So that's what I mean when I say personal training. That, that industry, not just one on one. So I'll give you an example, like a big box gym, like a Twenty Four Fitness or Golds or a, a LA Fitness. That's a low dollar. Uh, low service, high volume business, right? They're paying twenty bucks a month, thirty bucks a month. Yeah, but you want a shit ton of people coming in, and you give them very little service. They come in, they do their workout. You don't really do anything with them. Yeah, you but, clean the bathrooms, you sweep the floors, you rack the weights. That's it. Uh, if you go to like Orange Theory, you know, or you know, a personal training studio, or a CrossFit gym, or a Pilates studio, or a yoga studio, or all these studios that are now exploding all over the place, it's lower volume higher dollar, higher service. That's the growth mm -hmm. of the fitness industry. That's been the growth of the fitness industry. I haven't seen big boxes. They they, they stopped kind of exploding. Yeah. Um, no, the, it's the sweet spot. That's why, I mean, I hence why I went to OTF. I mean, I saw the writing on the wall the, the minute I looked in and I dug in all their stuff and I was extremely interested in it. I mean, you guys know that part of the reasons why I even got involved with it because I saw the opportunity business-wise more than anything right. else. I just wanted to get my hands involved in it and see what I thought about it. And it's just a, it's a brilliant, uh, it's a brilliant concept at a brilliant time in the industry. And there's tons of them that are doing it and they're all very, very successful because it's right in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's not as expensive as that one-on-one -on -one type feel, personal training, private training, where you're paying a trainer somewhere 75 to $150 an hour. You know, instead, you can spend seventy-five to one hundred fifty dollars a month, and you get as unlimited amount of classes that you could come to, and you still are in a small enough yeah. class that makes you feel like yeah, you, you get, get more of that service. Yeah, you get you almost get that private attention, which before that was like Justin was saying. You saw trainers go from one extreme to the other. They went from private training, and oh shit, the bubble burst. You know, with dot com, people can't afford it anymore. So now I'm going to go to this huge group training. So I run these, ma and then it was all about growing massive boot camps. Yeah. Who could have the largest boot camp? And I was part of that training. I yeah. I had boot camps, ran them all over San Jose, and did all that stuff. And it was like you know. How many camps can I get running? How many trainers can I have working underneath me? And that was I was on this push to do that, and it, you know it got old really fast because I one I didn't enjoy doing it, but I was trying to move with the market. I knew that's where I had to go. Right. Now you see these small boxes, hence why I'm there again because I see I see where it's going. But at the end of the day, it's not ideal, you know. Which I mm -hmm. the 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 last trend that I hope to see happen in the industry is that people start educating, learning more for themselves, figuring out what they need to do individually for themselves. Mm -hmm. And hey, maybe if that if that's and then they use up for like use us for like tune-ups exactly yeah. which is part of why mind pump was created well right? some, I'm, I'm, that's interesting you bring that up you just made me think of my own clientele uh i train 
I'd say the average client has been with me for probably five or six years. Um, and so that, and that's a lot, that's a long time for personal training. Most trainers will have a client, <laughs> will stay with them for six months. I've had clients with me for 10, 12, you know, 14 years. And uh, a large percentage of my clients only train with me once a week now mm-hmm. because I've trained them for so long that have worked them down to a maintenance type style training. I've, I have clients, I have quite a few clients actually that I train less than once a week. I have clients that train once every other week, and I have some clients that I train once a month. I have a lady that drives down, mm-hmm. uh, three hours down, to meet with me once a month. I have the same, yeah. Do you? And yeah. I th- and and uh, that may be what you're talking about, where they train with you initially, get what they need, correct imbalances, learn some exercise, become educated, and then meet with you on a much, you know, uh, lower frequency just to keep them. Right. Um, accountable and to you know modify their, their their workouts or whatever. Well, that's very similar to the concept that I built when I did my virtual coaching, which the idea behind that is for me to take somebody who, you know, whatever it is they're doing, help inform them, guide them through our books and through our programs and to show them how they should be doing it and to help them find their way. Mm-hmm. And it's virtually, completely. I don't even go there to train them. I mean, the only thing that you miss out with that is I'm not there physically to put you into position or to see what's going on. So there's a lot more communication going back you know, via text message and email and going back and forth like that. And it would, it's not ideal, but it's also a, a lot easier for people to be able to afford to do that. And you can do that all over the well, world. And right? One thing too, that, you know, to really recognize, you know, what some of these big name, like CrossFit type uh, programs have done is create this culture. So now they create a culture where I can be a part of this and everybody has an opinion about it. Uh, as far as like as they're going through it, and so now like you can compare notes, you you know compare scores and times or whatever going through that. So I understood that having more significance uh, than it just being just like a boot camp, but like you know crazy, more insane and dumber. However, you know what they did is they really hit that. They really hit that 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 well as far as the addictive factor is that now somebody else knows my experience. We can communicate that, and it's a very big group that communicates that, you know, which is something, too, that uh, I know as we grow and as our forum grows and, and people understand, you know, the way that we sort of do things. Like, that, that, there's power in that, in that you can know, you know, somebody having a similar situation or is like-minded, yeah. you know, going R- through the process. Right. People like to feel supportive, mm-hmm. you know, get support from other people and do things together. People don't typically like working out, uh, but they like being with other people um, who you know are like-minded and you know maybe yeah, motivate it's, it's them. It's very social. And it's very social, but it's interesting. We're talking about this right now, and I'm thinking about the baby boomer population and how fast, how they're the, they're the largest segment of the population, how they are aging, and how that's going to influence fitness. I think it's going to influence fitness tre- tremendously. And here's another prediction we made, and we made this prediction a while ago was that uh, wellness and fitness are going to start to merge. And holy shit, that is going to be a huge driver of that. Think about it. Yeah. All this aging population now, you know, people getting into their 60s, 70s, and 80s, they are far more interested in longevity and wellness than they are in fitness performance, than they are in looking good in a bikini. Yeah. They're looking to be able to move yeah, and feel better. Optimize their, their their last years on earth. Optim- optimize their life. And so that's the future of, I mean, it, it, it reinforces even more what we've been saying. Uh, the future of fitness really is away from that whole, this is going to make you ripped and whatever, to this is what's good for you. This is what's good for the body. This is what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. 
you know, type of mentality, which we already embrace, but I see it going in that direction anyway. Now that I'm thinking about it, holy shit, that's, I mean, that's so, it's so true. I can't, yeah, it's going to go hand in hand. Oh, it, it will. It will. 100, 100% it will. You know that you're, you're still going to have the other extreme though. I of mean, course. that'll never go away. I mean, we're, we're visual creatures, uh, no matter what, you know, at the end of the day, um, still the other half of the population that is under, you know, 50 years old, still wants to look good, still wants yeah. to look sexy, still wants to feel sexy. But you know, well, it's interesting if you think about it, like as you see movies change and like the heroes change and like, you know, that as far as the media shift, you wonder about like youth and what they're going to respond to more as far as like being fit and active and what, what that means. You know, it, it might be interesting. It might have a a total shift from what it is no, now. No, I think you're right. I think you will see, you'll see another, I think you'll see uh, the pendulum swing one way really hard, which we've already seen. I mean, you look at like our bodybuilders, right, as an example of that. They can't get much bigger. Yeah. They can't get much more crazy. And free. bodybuilding is so out of the, its heyday. It is so far away from its pinnacle. Yeah, it's so. Once it's, they started getting big old guts. Yeah, they, it's. Nobody it's, wants to see that. Yeah, well, you, you're, I mean, there's so much growth hormone, your intestines are growing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's so it's gotten to the, the extreme of all extremes. Now you're going to see the opposite come the other way. And then I feel like it'll settle somewhere in the middle. I feel like. Then you're going to have this huge backlash of the, of, of the studies and the things that come out on people that have totally taken all this shit in their body for such a long period of time and all the long-term effects that's happened to them when that starts to happen and that those studies come out. Mm -hmm. Then what will happen is those that's going to cause it to go the other way really extreme because then everybody will be so freaked out of that. So that they'll go the other way and it'll be like almost all natural hippie. I don't even care about getting big, building muscle. I just want to be healthy. I want to be happy. And then they'll be fine this kind of like there's a balance. There's, a build, there's an ability to... To be healthy, to be fit, but also you can look sexy and you can eat healthy. I mean, you don't have to train like a bodybuilder just to necessarily look like no, a true I bodybuilder. Think, I think it's already starting to happen. I think that uh, that that message is starting. That's why that's why our I think why a lot of our message resonates with so many people is because that's what we we talk about, and we don't look like hippies. You know what I'm saying? We don't look like that. Uh, that you know the 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 most our beard gets really long, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know it's it's and interesting. Adam busts out his flute. I can't wait for this to be the 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 sex mainstream. Folk. I can't oh, wait that's for right. sex for my yeah. I can't wait for the longevity to be the the you know the longevity tip and the the wellness tip to be the the mainstream because um I'll just through my own observation with myself like you know my own connection to food for example in the past if I looked at something that I shouldn't quote unquote shouldn't eat you know like uh, let's say i'm looking at you know a piece of cake or whatever i'm at a party and they're like hey you want some cake in the past it's a no i don't want to eat that cake because in my mind i'm thinking uh, i don't want to get fatter it's going to mess up my gains okay now i look at my i look at that cake i don't even think of that anymore you think i might have a headache from this later yeah, on yeah. I'm, I'm not, not going to sleep good. very i'm not yeah, going to sleep, sleep very well, well because of this i put my stomach's going <laughs> to probably hurt cramp. my acid reflux yeah. oh. or whatever i'm not going to feel as good i might feel yeah. a little inflamed and so my connection to food has changed so much that it's so much easier for me to stay consistent. Because in the past, when it was all about how I looked, I really I would go off quite a bit because one piece of cake is not going to change how you God, look. God, I'm so glad you but, said this right now because it goes right in line with the Fit Your Macros talk that we had the other day with just these people. Seriously, that is, that's the issue right there. And they think that because 
we, you know, we, we counter with, you know, we should be striving to feed ourselves better food and challenging ourselves. It doesn't mean that we never do that. It's just that, and they think that we have a bad relationship with food. No, I don't have a bad No, my relationship is so much better than it used to be. It's very healthy. I'm aware. I'm aware of what, what it's going to do. You know, that's, that's, that's that's what it is. Who wouldn't want to be educated, you know, as far as like, you know, exactly what each one of these nutrients will do for you. And also against, you know, as far as what your goals are, like why I don't understand why that's demonizing. Why? Why, why is that even an issue? Well, if you need if you just put it out there and, and you put some scientific study behind it, you know, and you just uh, you have a deep understanding of like what each of these foods will do in diversity and you know like why wouldn't you put that present that information out so people can be better educated? Well, here's the deal: we've already for a long time now been uh, telling people this will make you fat, this will make you look good, this will make you look bad. Yeah, doesn't fucking work. Uh, what we need to do, imagine this, okay? Imagine a society in which people ate foods that nourished them, that made them feel good in a real way. Mm-hmm. Not in a Band-Aid way, like I'm depressed, I need to eat this real quick. But like this is good for me and it feels good for my body. Imagine a society where people loved and cherished health versus the cosmetic. Imagine what that now, imagine what that society would look like. They would look the way that they're trying to look now, but they can't achieve it. They would look sexy. They'd look lean. They'd ain't look that hot. The, ain't that the truth? Do you right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's complete. The the uh, the way that we're approaching things is ass backwards. If you approach things from that, if you if your relationship to food becomes comes from a nourishing, what's good for my body, and I love myself, and I love my body, and I love my health, the choices that you will make will reflect that, and it's so much better and so much easier than the. You know, this is going to make me fat and this is going to make me muscular and this is what I need to eat to look good because that shit doesn't work. We see that with kids. Yeah. We see that with kids. This is why you don't tell your kids, don't eat that. It'll make you fat or eat no. this. And it doesn't work. It gives them you just want, issues. You, yeah. You want to give them a, a valid gauge of, you know, what what is quality and what isn't as as high a quality. It, really, it's, it's a spectrum of quality. Yeah. Right. You know, and so... There has to be a standard for that. You know, you have to be able to to understand that. Uh, and, and you've brought up the point, like, what does your food eat? You know, what, right. You know, and then what are the, you know, the, the toxicities? What, what are the, all these things that like, you know, it's, you do have to look through all that. I know it's a pain in the ass, but you have to consider them. Of course, you have to consider. Chemicals. And, he, and it's really about just, you know, just do this. Just educate yourself on this stuff. Don't make any decisions. But just learn and become aware, like Adam says. Become aware of, you know, the food that your food eats or the way that your food grows. Be aware of how you feel after you eat something. Not just is it going to make me fat or not, but literally how you feel. My emotions start to connect the dots. People don't connect the dots very often. I used to. I remember. I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, where I'll have a client or a family member or friend who you know will be kind of in a bad mood, kind of down. And they don't connect the dots that the day before, two days before, they ate, you know, a bunch of sugar or they ate something that wasn't good for them. And they don't connect their mood to that. And does it affect your mood? You better fucking believe it. Yeah. But they're not making that connection. The only connection they're making in their mind is, did I gain weight on the scale or not? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? No, a hundred percent. interesting. Uh, perfect example. Somebody asked me this on my Facebook the other day because after a video that Sal and I had done. They said, oh, okay, well, I would like to see exactly what, how you guys eat. What di- what diet do you follow with this? And I said, well, 
actually, since you asked that right now, I think Sal is following a ketogenic diet right now. I'm actually doing like a modified version. I wouldn't call it ketogenic. I would just call it a, you know, low carbohydrate, high fat and moderate, moderate protein diet. And Justin probably eats intuitively right now. So everybody, and really the way we, we eat isn't like, I'm not pulling carbs out of my diet because I think they're bad and demonize them. It's because I want to, I'm trying to pay attention to how my body feels when I introduce certain foods in there. What do I feel like when I have high fat in my, does it give me energy? Am I sluggish? Am I more aware? How is my cognitive function? Like, how's my performance? Yeah, how's my performance in my workouts? Do I sleep better? And so then when someone asks me, oh, so you might like, or ask Sal, like, oh, so you all pro ketogenic, you're a ketogenic guy. No, absolutely not. He's doing something right now to pay attention to how his body reacts and feels to that. And that's how we're always rotating and changing foods in our diet if you watched how all of us it's net we don't have something that's always the same it's on no. i am always because i'm still Diversity learning always wins not just, even though even with all the science and all the knowledge and all the studies that all of us in this room have read we're still learning how to apply that knowledge to our own bodies because each one of us are individuals in here which is why I don't like going full ketogenic. And I'm someone who's like, you know what? What I've found works really well, Sal, is I kind of follow this really low low carb. I stay away from all these grains, rices, pastas, things like that. And what I'm introducing is when I feel like I need something like that, I, I introduce berries, fruits. So I get a lot of strawberries, raspberries, Asian pears. These are things that, mangoes, these are things that I start to, and I do a big old fruit bowl. And I feel amazing when I do that. That's just it. It's, it's you got to be aware and make that connection. I'll give you another example. There's a trainer that I'm working with. She's a phenomenal trainer, fantastic trainer, very fit, eats very healthy, been eating healthy for a long time. Um, but she's been having uh, shoulder pain and inflammation now for a year and a half. So this is, uh, it's, you know, at the supraspinatus, she also has pain at the bicep tendon, you know, because I, I did an assessment for her. Um, and this pain she's had for a year and a half. She's done correctional exercise. She knows what she's doing. She went to the doctor, went on pain medicine. They, they, they advised to give her cortisone shot. She didn't want to do it. Couldn't figure out how to make this pain go away. It was kind of this always there and doing everything right. You know, everything right that you, you're supposed to do didn't go away. So me and her are talking and she's been doing the correctional exercise piece now for, you know, three or four weeks. And uh, I said, you know, I think it's time now we start to look at diet. And she's like, well, I eat healthy. You know, she's lean. She's like, I eat very healthy. I eat like this. I, you know, these foods and my body fat is this low. So I eat very healthy. I said, well, let's look at your foods and start removing things that could be inflammatory. For some people, certain things are inflammatory. All we did, this is all we did, is we eliminated sugar completely out of her diet and I eliminated grains. Because for a lot of people, that's not for everybody. So if you're listening right now, I'm not saying this works for everybody, but for some people, those two things, especially sugar, can be inflammatory. We eliminated them. No joke. I'm not making this up. This is 100% correct. Uh, if you want, if you call me on it, I'll, I'll tag her and you guys can ask her yourselves. She eliminated sugar and grains within three days. This shoulder pain that had been nagging her for a year and a half was about 85% gone. She was so blown away by it that she completely denied it. She said to me, she said, it can't be that. There's no way. It must be the correctional <laughs> exercise. So I said to her, I said, okay. I said, reintroduce some sugar. And see how you feel. Let's start reintroducing those things and see if that's what did it. Sure enough, she'll eat some sugar. Boom, shoulder pain comes off. She'll avoid the sugar for three, four days. Pain is gone. She did this four, four or five times because she didn't believe that that could possibly be what's causing her pain. She couldn't fucking believe it. Of course, now she's a believer, but uh, but it, that's just the Hallelujah. thing. Hallelujah. Even yeah. someone that is very fit, somebody that's yeah. uh, that understands the you know the general uh, uh, you know information when it comes to health and fitness was unaware of how her body truly reacted to the things that she was doing and eating. And you better believe in the past, she was lean. So in the past, she would allow herself to have sugar and stuff like that. She would have chocolate because she's like, I'm lean. It's not affecting me. But now 
now that she feels the pain, she has a different association with that food. And I'm, and it's not that she's not eating the sugar because it's bad and I can't eat it and she's demonizing it. It's not worth it to her. You it know what is. I'm saying? Yeah. Now she looks at it and she goes, you know what? I do want that chocolate, but it's just not fucking worth the pain. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just not going to have it. And so when you change your relationship to food mm-hmm. and to the things you do and you become aware, um, it becomes easy. It becomes fucking easy. This is one of the reasons why I don't, I don't you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. Um, I don't track my food. I have in the past. And, you know, people make fun of me like, Sal, track your food. Tell us what you eat. One of the reasons why I don't do that anymore is because I went through this journey uh, probably about six years ago. It was a huge learning curve for me. And I'm at the point now where I know how I feel after I eat certain things and I know how to change my diet according to how I feel. If I'm feeling a certain way, I introduce more veggies. If I'm feeling this way, then I'll, eat, I'll introduce more cholesterol-containing foods or more of these kind of fats. Sometimes I notice a little extra inflammation if I'm having too many you know, uh, red meats, red like meats that, not, not then, fish in your diet. Then you know I'm going to have a couple days where I just eat fish. Sometimes uh, I'll have a day where I'm vegan, where all I eat is vegetables and with you know, with like olive oil and stuff like that. So oh. I've, I've I have a different relationship to food now, and as a result, the side effect of that is I maintain a leaner body fat percentage and I look better. Isn't that, that wasn't the goal though? Like how you put that though, because that's how supplement companies sell you on each one of those things, and and people don't realize that when they eat food, like they're doing that same exact thing. They're trying to get more energy. They're trying to, you know, uh, lower their inflammation in their body, and like this can just happen by manipulating what you know your macronutrients that you're consuming. And uh, as opposed to, I'm going to take this pill because I need to lower my inflammation in my body. Dude, you, food is uh, food and activity are the most important uh, factors in your health. Food is number one. Uh, activity is like close, or if not tied, with number one. They're both extreme. They're both extremely important. But when it comes to food, you know, you have to be aware of how you feel after you eat something. For example. People will go eat a big meal and they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sleepy now. There's a signal. Mm-hmm. There's a signal right there. Pay attention to that. You just ate a meal and now you feel like crashing out and taking a nap. That's a signal. What is that telling you? That's telling you that you're probably not responding well to what you just ate. You might have eaten too much or it might be the macro breakdown. For some people, a high fat meal might do that. For other people, myself included, a harsh high starch meal. Look, we just had we just yeah. ate breakfast. We just right before we no, came I up have here. Tons of energy right now. Right, right before we came in to record. This is literally what we <laughs> yeah, ate. I'm gonna right. out everybody. Okay. <laughs> this is literally what each of us ate. Steak, three eggs, a side of spinach, a side of bacon, and we all shared some uh some linguisa sausage. This is a high calorie meal. That's oh, yeah. a fucking high calorie meal. It's very it's high a horse in meal. Animal animal proteins and fats, very high in fat. We didn't even eat a single starch or single carbohydrate. I feel absolutely fine. Now, had I replaced just the three eggs with potatoes or had I replaced them with hash browns or a a pancake or some toast, I swear to God right now, I'd be fucking dying on this mic. I'd be passing out, going to sleep. Some people are the opposite. Some people respond that way to high fat. You got to, you got to, uh, Pay attention to the signals that your body's giving you. You know, uh, when I eat a certain, I've had people tell me relatives like, you know, oh, I'm going to eat this and then, uh, you know, Bo, I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. Ha ha ha. That's a signal. Like <laughs> if I eat this, if I eat dairy, I have trouble sleeping. Or if I eat this, I get heartburn. Every time I eat this, I get heartburn. Well, guess what your body's telling you? You probably shouldn't eat that. 
right? It's probably not. And, and what when happens? I drink a lot of Jack Daniels. I want to throw up. <laughs> it's crazy. But if you make that connection, if you start to connect the two and become aware of your body, it will motivate you in a very different way. Uh, with your food, you'll be motivated in a way that's sustainable. It's not sustainable to constantly be motivated by your appearance. That has a very high potential to turn into a disorder, to turn into insecurity, to turn into, you know, uh, the more extreme things like bulimia, anorexia. Uh, uh, when you're when you're looking at food that way, but if you look at food in terms of how you feel, then uh, you tend to make better choices for your health. Don't don't you think there's like there's levels to this shit though? Like I feel like that's a that's a big step for somebody to take who oh it's one step at a time yeah, right you be, do one step at a because time because I feel like most people have no clue even what they're consuming I mean they're mm-hmm. inconsistent with their sleep their time when they eat, when they don't eat if what what the well, they're foods not par- intuitive it's not intuitive to them yeah you haven't got to that point yet so you're you're absolutely right. That's, that's the first thing you have to address. That's exactly. And that's how I feel like that is, that is first is is understanding that. Like, Because if you don't even make it, I mean, you eat one day, you eat all fats. Another day, you eat all carbs. Right, right, day, right. You know what I'm saying? And you're eating things by itself all the time and shits in packages and you're skipping this and you're adding all artificial that. It's like if you're all over the board with no sort of uh, structure, consistency, or, pay, or at least paying attention to what you're doing, I mean, you got to first get that down. You know, that's why, too... The very first thing I do, so that, and every time somebody hires me, the very first question they want to know, you're going to make me a meal plan, blah, blah, blah. And then my favorite answer is no, I'm not going to make you a meal plan. What you're going to do is you're going to eat like you always eat and you're going to track it. Push a button, man. You're, tra- you're going to track for it for one week. Just, I want you to, and be, don't try and impress me. Don't try and do anything special. Eat exact. If you feel like that you would normally eat a Snickers bar right there, eat that damn Snickers bar. You feel like you would normally do this, do that. I want you to do that because I need to see. I need to see what are your normal patterns for a week. Then together, we're going to sit down and we're going to make subtle changes. We're, and, we're, and I'm going to show you what, what we're going to, and then each time I make a subtle change, I want them to give me feedback. You know, okay, we notice that we always do this. Okay, now what I want you to do is pay attention to how you feel when I have you eat this instead. And then tell me, do you like that? Does it make you full? Does it do you feel good? Do you feel tired afterwards? Do you have energy from that? How do you how do you feel right now? And then that, that's what we do, is just baby step up toward it. I don't write these meal plans like I used to as a trainer. As a trainer, yeah, I used to write like my diet. You know, this oh is how God. I eat. Here you go. Do this, you'll be ripped. That you was know? such a big moment for me. It's like you you get through that, you do so much work putting it together and like you know, you might have a good solid week where they're like, yeah, you know, I was, I was liking that. You know, there might be some feedback of things that got to change because, you know, socially, situationally, it didn't work out for them, whatever. But then it just immediately trails off because the thing about food, it's not like fitness. It's the thing about food is that there's a lot more uh, involved with that. It's, it is, it's, it's, it's people you're hanging out with. It's, you know, it's environment. It's where you're going to get it. It's, you know, there's, there's just so many different things that if I just put it on a paper and it's like this black and white thing, my relationship to that is just going to be that it's this, you know, it's this law. It's this, it's this, you know, right, wrong situation where you need to understand what you're doing. And, and the only way for you to understand what you're doing is to, to, uh, to, you know, know uh, how to navigate through everything. And know how to walk through a grocery store, pick out, you know, something that is going to benefit you, uh, you know, stay, stay to the section where you're going to get the most bang for your buck nutrient wise. Um, 
you know, you, how, how can I create more diversity, more color, you know, how, you know, all these things matter, you know? And so it's like, it, it's not as a simple thing as like, here's your meal, your meal plan. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's, that's, that's your carbon copy pill. That, that's your pill prescription. And that's not how it works. It never does. And it, I'll tell you what, uh, the, the freedom and the flexibility, the true flexibility and the freedom that I feel now with the way I eat, it is light years ahead and different than the way it used to be. In the past, when I would eat according to my, you know, how I looked, I got to stay lean, I got to build muscle. I didn't have as much freedom to go off and do different things. Like now, because I eat based on how I feel and what nourishes my body, um, I feel so free to go to the grocery store and say, you know what, I feel like I need to eat uh, mostly vegetables today, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to go in the vegetable section. Right, and you're not going to freak out because you're not going to have protein for the day, I'm so not, your yeah. muscles are going to fall off my body, exactly. which is how I used to feel. I'm not freaking out. I'm looking, I'm like, I'm going to try this vegetable, I'm going to try this vegetable. I've never had this before. I need to have a mushroom dish. I haven't had mushrooms in a long time. Yeah. And wow, look at bok choy. I haven't had bok choy in a long time. Or maybe I said, you know what, uh, I've, I've eaten lamb and beef the past two days. I want to have fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had salmon before. Let's try some sea bass. Right. Let's try something a little different. I need I need a fatty fish. I need to have some of those omega threes. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? I'm gonna eat a little leaner. Maybe I'll have some plain old chicken. Right. Um, but the freedom that I have now when I go to eat food is so amazing. My relationship to food is so much better. I would have never considered myself to have a f- eating disorder before, but that's sure as fuck what I had. Now I didn't. I wasn't your typical eating disorder. I wasn't bulimic or anorexic but it was like you know the same meals five six times a day Mm. every day i have to get you know straight out of that you felt like this like panic yeah 250 grams of protein 300 grams of protein a day you know 200 grams of carbohydrates a day you know 50 grams of fat or 80 80 grams of fat every day and i had to follow this this regiment and okay my best sources of carbs are rice and sweet potato and vegetables broccoli and this and it was uh it, it it is literally like having an eating disorder and you have no you don't have that freedom to go in and explore with what real healthy food is 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 all about and I'll tell you what I enjoy tasting it mm-hmm. like it's like people ask me like don't you miss eating a burger and I say well I'll have one every great once in a while but let me tell you something for me you know what tastes really fucking good when I have like a new, you know, I had a dish the other day that was uh, a two vegetable. avocados, olive oil, and sardines. Oh, I, I had that the other day with Adam. <laughs> He's eating that in my house the other day. I'm like, oh, bro, dude. Oh, I, I had that the other day and it was really good. But literally, like, bro, literally, you don't even know. He like, comes, uh, he comes walking so, into my pad, bro. He so good. Pulls out his can of sardines. He takes two avocados, scoops out two avocados, goes and gets his olive oil, douses it with olive oil, then comes over and throws his sardines <laughs> over and a little bit of salt. Hey, bit man, of his, it's fish pink salt. It's fish, fish and avocado, but or I'll, like the other fish day, and butter the chips. other day I had a vegetable curry with made with coconut milk, and I ate that. and It was so good, and it was what I needed. I thought to myself, like I need some fats, but I want some vegetables, and I had that. Like the the you know, I, it, I'm I'm very satisfied on all levels when it comes to my nutrition, and I don't track I don't track anything because I'm listening to my body. When I stop listening to my body mm-hmm. is when I need to start tracking yeah. things, and when I notice like oh fuck, I'm getting very fatter, similar man. again to intensity of training. I mean, Absolutely. As, as you go, you know, the next day and you you got to assess those feelings like like that energy level, that 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 feeling you know where you feel strong that day. You know, that that's a real feeling and you yeah. got to listen to it. And even for longevity, even when we talk about longevity, that can even get uh, misconstrued and turned into something else. Here's what it's all about. You don't 
exercise, or at least you shouldn't. You shouldn't exercise and eat right to uh, to live longer. You do it to live better. That's what that's what it's really all about. It's about mm-hmm. living better right now. And the side effect of that, the real side effect of that, is you're gonna look fucking awesome. Yeah. You're gonna look better if you try to live better now than if you're trying to just look better. When people see you walking down the street, you're gonna be more impressive. When you and look at something, you, you know how depressing it is to, to to. I'm gonna run in the treadmill for an hour so I can have that donut. Yeah, or it's a fucking horrible mentality. Yeah, or I need to get lean. I need to get ripped, so I'm gonna eat a certain way specifically just to get ripped. Uh, when versus I'm gonna eat this way because it's nourishing and I feel good. And oh wow, look at me, I'm ripped on accident. And I'm sick and tired of IFYM type people trying to put us in a box as and label us as clean eaters. Because we try and eat good. Oh, because they think we're the bodybuilder, yes. rice, chicken, and, and, and broccoli. And that over. drives me crazy. Stop trying to put everybody in a box. That's we're trying to take everybody out of all these bullshit boxes and te- teach people how to look mm-hmm. at this completely differently. It is okay Knock to down want your it. walls and let's hug. Yeah, quit falling into that. <laughs> quit falling into that bullshit. That oh, it's bad to demonize foods, and then you have this bad relationship. Quit falling in that propaganda. That's fucking propaganda that they're using to to pitch whatever diet, pitch whatever supplement, pitch whatever pill they're trying to push on you start looking at food differently preach and it's okay to it's okay to want to try and eat your best and trying to eat best for you that's okay there's nothing wrong with that that is not a bad relationship with food and damn it when every once in a while you have you're at a wedding and you have a wedding cake don't jump off a cliff over it fucking just accept that it wasn't your ideal food that you could you know what you're being an asshole anyway (laughs) i do that how dare you do that to your mom well (laughs) she wants you to do that well look at this Cigarettes, cigarette use has dropped considerably since the public has become more informed on cigarettes, right? Are we having a bad relationship with cigarettes? No. We know more people know it's bad for them, so right. more people choose to not smoke. I'm not saying you can't go eat a Pop-Tart or go eat a donut. If you want that, you can go ahead and eat it, but be aware of how it makes you feel. And I promise you, when you start to make that connection, you're just not going to yeah. want to. You're not going to want to have it. Not because you can't. There's a difference. There's a big difference between me looking at a donut and say, I can't do that. I don't want to get fat. That's a bad relationship with the donut. Well, the, good, the good relationship is, I don't want that donut. I just don't like the way it makes me feel. I just, I just don't want it. Here's another bad relationship with food. I fucking love donuts. Yeah. I love cake. I have to make it, this work. That's right. This, that, that is the same. Oh, I don't want to give this up because you have this craving yeah. and addiction for yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Try, you know what? Try being a clean eater for two to three weeks and flush <laughs> yeah. all that bullshit out and tell me what fucking fruit and like yeah. real whole food sort of tastes like. You'll notice you don't crave that stuff. And it, then it when always, you re- reintroduce so, it, what yeah. happens, it's right? It's so funny because it like just thinking about that, like that mentality, it totally reminds you of that junkie. You know, that junkie that's just like trying to just, no, you don't understand, man. Totally. Like, I need that. It gives me what I need. You don't know? don't think. It's like, oh, <laughs> whoa, I just, you know, I had a couple of bites of a donut. And I was like, ugh, you know. Don't don't think Mickey D's got, oh, where, got it. where it's at just because it's got some cool ass arches and their fries are bomb. Uh, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, that there's, there's a science to that fucking a taste. and scientific yeah, movement behind that. There is a, exactly. And, you know, we're all silly to think it's the toy in the fucking, in the box yeah. that got everybody there. It's not there. doing it's not, crazy things to your brain. No, no, it's not. It's not that at all. And I'm I'm fed up of listening to people try and tell us that it's creating a bad relationship with food because we encourage people to eat clean and eat right. No. That's no, a no, no. Shit. We're just 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 be aware. And if you want to make those choices, yeah. you make those choices. Nobody's gonna demonize you. We're not gonna talk shit. We make those choices sometimes. Sometimes we eat, you know, foods that aren't good for us, but we're not 
pretending that it's uh that it's somehow okay because it fits our macros or we're not pretending that it's you know it's not that bad for us one pop tart's not going to be that bad or whatever it maybe not in terms of like me dying right now or you know whatever but in terms of the way i feel it is and i, I don't want to eat it because it just doesn't make me feel good and i feel like that's threatening to some people mm-hmm. you know it's like a threatening you know kind of attitude but it's, you're getting into their addiction bro yeah Taking my drugs away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Check, you know, check it. There's the bad relationship with food. That's what you need to look at. Look at, if you say that, if you, oh, I don't want to give that up. That's way too good. Why would I do that? That's living. And let me tell you, man, you can, you (laughs) can eat things if you want to have something sweet or you want to have something. I used to feel that way about cheese though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love cheese. If you want to have something sweet or you want to have something that's salty or whatever, you can do that with things that make you feel good too. So like, for example, you know, a dessert that I'll make is I'll take full fat coconut milk. I'll put it in the fridge. So that shit gets, because the, the, the fat will get hard. I'll pull that out. I'll scoop it out, put it in a bowl. I'll whip the hell out of it. I'll add some stevia. I'll add some cinnamon. I'll add some, you know, vanilla extract. And then I'll put some berries on top of it. And it's a fucking dessert. It's a dessert and it's amazing. But after I'm done eating it, I don't feel like shit. I feel okay. I feel good. My body feels good. I've developed. That's that's what a healthy relationship. It's important. Is. It's important that you point out though. So, like, let's say somebody just heard that, right? Say, I'm I'm a I'm somebody who eats bad. Okay, I'm gonna give this a whirl. What Sal said, I'm gonna try his little thing, and then you go and you try and have this thing, and you're like, oh my god, this doesn't taste good. And the reason why it probably won't taste good to somebody who, who does <laughs> that. it can't compete with the shit that they put out already. Exactly. Yeah. It can't, can't compete with that. It can't be it can't compete with the pounds of sugar that are getting shoved no, into your food. It's gonna create when you a eat reaction that, out of your brain immediately. It's a, it's ex, it, what it's like it's doing is this, okay? Let's let's use drugs, right? Let's use cocaine, okay? It's like let's <laughs> no, it's really cuz we always go here. No, no, no. Think of it think of it like that cuz it is. It absolutely is. If uh, you know, think of the, the most minute amount of cocaine. If you absolutely somehow ingested it, are you going to die from it? Are you going to have any real adverse effects? I mean, I'm talking super small. I'm talking like- No, not, not might even, not even feel it. Exactly, right? Now, if you start taking more of that and more of that and more of that, what happens? Your tolerance gets up. You become addicted to it. Then when you try and compare having cocaine to having absolutely no, cane, no cocaine whatsoever or having something that is- 10 times less. Or having like some coffee. Yeah, exactly. Having some coffee and then trying to compare it to that feeling that you get when you have an eight ball of cocaine. It's just not the same. You're not, until you completely go rehab yourself, until you get that shit out of your system and you're no longer addicted to it anymore. And then you reinduce, then guess what? That the taste that Sal's talking about, it tastes like that for him because the motherfucker eats good most of the time. If you eat like shit and then every once in a while you try and introduce a healthy recipe that someone gave you and you go like, oh my God, this tastes like shit. I'm going to stick with hostess that's a red they do it right that's a red flag that you've got a cocaine problem yeah (laughs) you know what else is a red flag uh pay attention to how your kids react when you give them food yeah i have so many parents will tell me oh i give my this up i give my kids sugar and then they go crazy yeah and it's It's so weird it's not just but it's not (laughs) just every time here's what you gotta think about either too it's not just that they go crazy what's causing them to get hyper What's causing that reaction? There's something in their body that is mm. happening mm-hmm. that is causing this adverse. It's an adverse reaction, mm-hmm. is what it is. Because my kids will get irritable. Yeah. They'll eat sugar. They'll be okay. They'll start fighting with each other. And then I'll notice, like three hours later, they get like irritable and act kind of like crappy. And that's an adverse. That's an adverse reaction. God, so. you just made me think of something. If that's so true, and if we and it's we've already screwed ourselves up for so long that if we were adults that actually okay, well, let's. 
if you were a kid who never ever let's see never had sugar and then now you're 30 years old and you decided to have candy yeah. you know out of, out of nowhere you would probably get You'd that. turn into like elf you, you would know, you like, would probably get this we like where we wouldn't get that anymore because all the years that it's already been pushed through our body already and poison and now we introduce it it's like oh because we don't have it a lot we might notice a little bit of a spike or a little bit of difference but imagine if like what the child feels like right now well that, and then to be fair too though like children they're their sense of taste and, and, and all that is like so heightened in comparison to adults. You actually lose a bit of that. So. Well, why is that? Because it's all new stuff that's being introduced, right? I mean, as, as children like that and they're growing and they're, they're, their palates are being created, all that stuff is happening right now. Right. So, so much is happening. And all of a sudden we go, here you go. Yeah. Here's some candy. Here's a wow. super concentrated. Whoa, here's an eight ball overload. cocaine. Don't yeah. worry. You'll be able to handle it later. <laughs> know. Don't give your kids Coke. <laughs> Oh, Thanks for listening to Mind Pump. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Sounded like a G.I. Joe thing. It hey, did. kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. And you can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.